Today, we're going to be talking about something very specialist and something that I'm particularly really interested in because it involves teenagers and teenagers who have suffered trauma or are really finding it difficult to cope with emotions and memories and maybe something that's happened to them. What does being mentally fit really mean to you and your family? Let's talk it out here and chat about the ways we can support our children and teenagers to prepare them for the big wide world ahead of them. I'm your host, Claire Pearson, teacher turned child therapist, and my job is to educate young people about the importance of looking after their mental health and well-being. Welcome to the Raising Mentally Fit Kids podcast. Dr. Marie Thompson, welcome to the Raising Mentally Fit podcast. It's so lovely to have you here and I know you're extremely busy. So thank you for fitting us into your busy schedule. It is a genuine pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. And today we're going to be talking about something very specialist and something that I'm particularly really interested in because it involves teenagers and teenagers who have suffered trauma or are really finding it difficult to cope with emotions and memories and maybe something that's happened to them. And we're going to give parents some ideas today of ways that they can use this particular therapy in resolving some issues and helping them just to feel a bit more on track and able to regulate their emotions. So tell us about your specialist therapy that you are really passionate about, Marie. Well, the therapy that you're talking about is EMDR, and it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And it is um, recommended by the NICE guidelines in the UK and the World Health Organization as the treatment of choice um, when it comes to treating trauma and PTSD uh, in people, alongside trauma-focused CBT. They are both found to be as effective as each other, but EMDR is more efficient. Uh, So both got a very sound evidence base, um, but I gear towards EMDR over trauma-focused CBT for a few reasons, and one one of which is the efficiency. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think is really interesting to talk about today. So tell us exactly what happens in uh, a therapy session. What is the process exactly? What happens? Yeah, so I I suppose it's important to say this is a therapy used for treating uh, trauma. So by definition, you are typically thinking about um, images, memories, events, things that were really unpleasant for people. And when people experience post-traumatic stress disorder, they have a few symptoms, one of which is the re-experiencing of the event and the intrusive memories, the intrusive images, which means they come in when we don't want to think about them and they're not very nice, so we push them away. But the trouble is, when we push them away, we cannot process them and then we get stuck, really. So what EMDR does and trauma-focused CBT do is they expose the person to the parts of the memory that they're avoiding. So in other words, we help the person think about it because only then can you process uh, what has happened, emotionally process. Yeah. So, sorry, can I just just quickly cut in there, just as a parent, what warning signs should parents be looking for 
if they suspect that their child, their teenager has had some trauma, but just like you said, then they're sweeping it under the carpet and it isn't being tackled as it should. What kind of things you should be looking for as a parent? So you're probably going to be seeing more anxiety, sort of a, a general anxiety, a sense of hypervigilance um, with the person. They might be avoiding certain things. Um, they might be withdrawing generally. But the avoidance is likely to be quite specific to something related to the trauma. Um, so if something happened in a hospital, for example, they might not want to drive past uh, the, the road where the hospital is on. So you can usually see that it's quite specific um, avoidance. Yeah. Um, but it can be triggered by anything is, is the trickiness because it can be triggered by a sound, a smell. So you might think this is actually quite random. We were just doing this, but suddenly they've had what seems to look like perhaps a panic attack uh, or intense anxiety. Um, and a bit of probing will sort of help you understand what it was that triggered that reaction. And it's likely to be uh, triggering the, the event. Yeah, that's really useful information to know. Thank you. And so what happens when somebody comes to you for the therapy? What, what do they experience? Yeah, so first of all, we get to know each other because <laughs> I think people think that they're going to come and that's it, we're going to do the EMDR and uh, done. And of course, therapy doesn't work like that. We have to get to know each other. They have to be able to trust the person that they're with. And that getting to know each other is the, the psychologist understanding more about what happened and the particular bits of the memories that are of concern that are bothering the person. So it's very planned out, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. When we come to do the processing, this is where EMDR looks very different to many, many other therapies because eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, eye movement um, is the key part of it. Mm -hmm. And as the decades have gone by since this uh, therapy was first founded, there's more and more research about why are we doing eye movements? <laughs> and is this the only thing we can do? And actually it isn't the only thing we can do, but we do need a bilateral stimulation. We need to stimulate both parts of the brain at the same time. That is the fundamental part of EMDR, which allows the processing to happen much more quickly than trauma-focused CBT, for example. So typically it's eye movements. So if we were in the clinic, the person would be sort of quite close to me, quite adjacent to me here really, so that they can't see me. And they'd be focusing on my uh, hand movement, which is quite fast. It's not hypnosis, which is a relaxed state and completely different. It's nothing relaxing about this, it's, it's very fast. Um, but also you can use audio uh, things, so beep, 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 beep. Um, when I'm working online with people, I either do this across the screen or we have a, a platform and we use a dot that goes across the oh, screen. Oh, okay, of course. I was wondering how you uh, deliver this therapy online. Uh, it's done really well online. And yeah. the other thing is, uh, like, we call it like the butterfly uh, taps. So lots of ways, and there are others as well, that you are stimulating the, the bilateral um, a stimulation in the brain, both sides yeah. of the brain working at the same time. It, it sounds fantastic. And I think so worthwhile for parents to know, especially if they have got teenagers who are resistant to come for talk-based therapy, the more cognitive styles of therapy, because this is, is, is it's just unique. 
isn't it? And I think particularly if you're quite a kinesthetic person as well, and you want something more physical, movement-based, then this would be something to look into as a parent, wouldn't it, if you are getting that resistance from your child? Yeah. And actually, the evidence will tell you that unless you're doing trauma-focused CBT or EMDR, it's not helpful for post-traumatic stress disorder because you have to focus on the memories. So anything else will help a little bit and it will help support the person. But in order to stop those intrusive images, that has to be a trauma-focused approach. Yeah, yeah, that's so important. So how does it compare then? You've already talked about CBT. How does it compare to that style of therapy? Hmm. Well, CBT, again, in itself, isn't going to help with post-traumatic stress disorder. It has to be trauma-focused CBT, so a particular type. And what differentiates trauma-focused CBT from CBT is you're identifying the hotspots. So again, very focused on the memory and you're um, re-experiencing, reliving, going over and over and over again what happened to expose the person to that memory. But in that sense, the person is saying it, um, going over and over and over again. And what I love about EMDR is that person doesn't have to say anything. And I always say to people, it's helpful if you can tell me what what happened, because we do these short sets of the the stimulation. And then we'll have a pause and I'll say to the person, what happened that time? Where where did your mind go? And they'll they'll give me a sentence or two. That's all I need. And I also say to people, especially with shame-based trauma, this is where EMDR really comes into its own as well. It's helpful to me you can say yeah I'm on something but I don't feel comfortable to say just so you can guide me so that I know where we where we're at but I don't need to know it don't need to know what it is the person's thinking about yeah that's very interesting and I think as well worth noting why it is so important if your child has experienced trauma that they go to somebody who is professional and experienced in this type of therapy because an ab reaction can be an extremely scary place to be with memory recall and if you haven't got that safe boundary of a mental health professional who's been trained to work with you and make you feel safe as you relive some of these memories it actually can be extremely damaging and hurtful and a vulnerable place to be can't it absolutely and actually um depending on the age of the the child or the teenager um, is a big deal because people will be trained in EMDR, but have they done the additional child and adolescent EMDR training um, is a question to be asking, um, which I have done. Um, But it's uh, having done it, well, firstly, just being an ethical person, you know, I don't practice outside of my scope. But also having done it, um, it's different. It's it's different. So the person needs to know that they're being seen by somebody that is trained to do EMDR with the age group that they have in mind. It's another thing. So tell us about some of the positive results that you've seen then. What would be a typical case study that you've worked with? Um, I don't know if I can say typical, really, but I tell, I tell you what moves me, Claire. I tell you what moves me 
every time is the resilience of people and how people, young and old, can experience even the most horrific things and yet they show up, they trust me enough to help them with it, we do it together and we get through the other side and it is no easy task on their part but believe me because they are going to need to think about something more than they would ordinarily do but they do come out the other side and I think that's one of the reasons I use EMDR so much is that I can see that it works mm-hmm. so I have absolute faith in the model because I see it time and time again and when I say works I'm referring to two things really firstly that memory that thing that happened does not have the same emotional sting so you can think about something and it feels past it feels done it feels distant because it's been processed and it's sitting in the correct part of the brain and the other thing I see in people which is the essence of EMDR is it changes the meaning of that event so when something is traumatic it's traumatic because it is but also because of the meaning we make of it about ourselves and the world as a result. So that thing happened, therefore I am worthless. Therefore I am helpless, for example. And what EMDR does is also address that belief. So you then start to see on the other side of it, people who can talk about this thing without the same intensity and people who have a fundamentally different belief about themselves. And that is a joy to behold. That's amazing. Yeah. It takes a huge amount of bravery, doesn't it, to to come into a therapy session. And actually, that's one of the first things I would say to somebody is you're already changing your narrative Mm -hmm. just by stepping into the therapy session. You know, there is a shift there's a cognitive shift already, which is a really exciting process to be on. And when you're part of that journey with somebody who's in a very vulnerable state anyway, and I think for us, just to have that privilege, it's an honour, isn't it, to work with somebody and to see them evolving. And, it, and it's painful. That growth is painful. And therapy is not always pleasant. Uh-huh. But um, it is an absolute privilege. And you described it really well. So who would this treatment be a good fit for? Are there any parents out there now listening and thinking, oh, that sounds really interesting? Who, who would be ideal for this type of EMDR treatment? Yeah, so I think where it's more used more classically is with with the quite obvious traumas, if you like, we call them the big T traumas. So it might be a car accident. Um, It might be something horrible that happened in hospital. It might be sort of quite a clear event that those people would do very well with a trauma-focused approach. But you also get those people who um, have had quite difficult starts in life, perhaps some attachment wounds, uh, perhaps what they were missing. So rather than sort of quite clear abuse incidents, that that would also be a big T trauma. But sometimes abuse isn't what was done, it's what wasn't done, it's the neglect. And uh, attachment-focused EMDR is also a component of EMDR. Uh, which can help people heal those attachment wounds as well. So I suppose as a general rule is if there's something very obvious that's happened, then then don't hesitate. 
Um, but if you also sort of acknowledge that there are some ruptures in early relationships or significant caregiving relationships, that's something that can lend itself well to EMDR as well. So a lovely therapy as well to do as a parent and an adolescent, particularly if you are a parent who's maybe being triggered by something from your own past that is affecting your day-to-day parenting, which I do see a lot in Mm. my day-to-day work with families. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. What I would say though is I wouldn't, um, I'm not sure if this is what you're saying, but I wouldn't do it as a family session. No. Um, People would do their EMDR separately and then you can bring it together um, and reflect on it as a family and take that those learnings forward um, but the EMDR itself would be separate but but yes absolutely there's more than one person in the family that could benefit from it yeah fantastic well thank you very much for sharing all of your knowledge and all of your expertise today I really appreciate you coming and spending time on the podcast it's been thrilling and hopefully you'll be back and I know other members of your team are going to be guests on the podcast so we can talk about their specialist areas of working with children and adolescents in the mental health arena as well. What's the best way for people to follow you, get to know you, get to understand the kind of work that you do in your clinic? Uh, I guess there are a few ways they can follow us on Instagram um, and Facebook it's at Vivimus Dubai um, they can check out our website, vivimus.me, um, and they can always just give us a call. We're always happy to talk more about what the therapy is before people sign up to it, um, any of those ways. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Marie, and we will hopefully see you again very soon. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. I'd appreciate it a lot if you could spread the love and give us a review or some big fat likes. Remember, if you need any further information or you want to grab your resource packs, then please head on over to the RaisingMentallyFitKids.com website. The link is in the description below. All the episodes are filmed for those who like to watch. So head to my YouTube channel, which is called Claire Pearson, Raising Mentally Fit Kids. And finally, one important note. If you work in mental health or with children, or you're a parent with a really good story to share, then please get in contact. I'd love to have you on the pod. Wishing you a great day and I will see you next time.